this FDI Treasury Talks where we're going to be discussing some of the uh, practical implications associated with adopting um, hedge accounting for uh, Treasury transactions. Uh, my name is Justin Callahan, and I'm the Chief Executive here at uh, FDI Treasury and I'm delighted to be joined by Mary Gaynor who manages our accounting team. Uh, here at FDI Treasury we, we provide a range of uh, services to uh, corporate clients uh, in the areas of Treasury including everything from uh, daily cash management, to uh, accounting services and obviously today it's the accounting services which are particularly relevant um, we're in a, a kind of a, a unique position where we get to see what a lot of multinationals do in terms of adopting hedge accounting for um, a whole range of different um, treasury transactions uh, and what we'd like to give you today is just a little bit of insight as to what we see as some of the common uh, practical uh, elements that need to be dealt with in order to do that efficiently um, uh, Mary, you're the expert on this, so I'll stop talking <laughs> and, and hand over to you. Uh, you might as well just start with the basics. Uh, yeah, sure. You know, what exactly is hedge accounting and what can a corporate hope to achieve uh, from adopting it? Um, well, all derivatives need to be um, remeasured at accounting period ends at their fair value. So typically we use our treasury management system and our rates feeds from the markets to, to calculate the values at the financial period end. Um, they then have to be posted through your accounts. So. If the um, derivative has increased in value, then the there will be income through the P&L, and if it's reduced in value, there'll be expenses through the P&L. So this then causes a lot of variability in your income statement. And really, um, the purpose of a hedging strategy is to sort of reduce the risk and reduce the volatility. So it's kind of at odds with that that they, you then see in your accounts that there is um, a lot of ups and downs, or there can be a lot of ups and downs sure. in, in the strategy, yeah. so in your income statement. So, Hedge accounting can be applied, um, which means that if you designate a hedging relationship between the hedged item and the derivative, that the all the valuations can go through the OCI instead of going through your P&L. And therefore, that reduces the volatility and everything looks much more stable in your financials. Okay, so it's 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 removing some of the volatility associated mm -hmm. with yeah. derivatives yeah. that would be yeah. pushed generally. Because there can be accounting mismatches caused yeah. by the derivatives being in place, but maybe the the hedged item isn't being recognised in the same way in your financial okay. statement. Understood. That was supposed to be an easy question. But it's <laughs> a very technical answer. <laughs> it's a technical subject. Yeah, yeah, try no, and keep it simple. That's, that's, yeah. So, so obviously, Mary, this is driven by accounting standards, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard to believe that it's nearly twenty years, I think, since mm -hmm. IAS thirty nine. IAS thirty nine. Uh, sort of originally introduced. Came this, but... in and and really, I guess it's one of the things that gave people a lot of perception that you know there's a lot of there's a lot to um, applying hedge accounting, but thankfully it was replaced by IFRS 9, which is the accounting standard now in force, and it's a lot more objectives-based, so there's less of the sort of rules that were in IS 39, like that your hedge effectiveness had to be between 80 and 125%, and if it went anywhere without that, you had to de-recognize the hedge. The hedge. Um, whereas now in IFRS 9, it's a lot more about looking at your um your risk strategy and your sort of management strategy for your hedging and um once that kind of all lines up then you can apply hedge accounting and um, then under us gap we have asc 815 um which is you know pretty pretty consistent with ifrs 9 um as with a lot of us gaps standards they um they're a little bit more rules based so there's more kind of rules and you know different modeling that has to be followed um, whereas IFRS 9 is a little bit more flexible in terms of um, looking at the overall risk strategy and economic relationship of the hedge. Okay, very, very interesting. So, so there are obviously 
significant commonalities between mm -hmm. um, US GAP and uh, IFRS. Absolutely, when it comes to yeah, and the same kind of modeling and documentation can be used for both. Okay. Um, there are some like minor differences just in the minutiae of the, yeah. the different hedges, but in general, um, they're, they're quite broadly similar. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. You, you mentioned modeling and models. What are the mm -hmm. sort of common um, so, so under IS39, a lot of people set up like models with, um, you know, um, hypothetical derivatives and uh, dollar offsetting, very kind of more complex yeah. stuff. But um, under IFRS 9 now, you know, there's, there's kind of a lot more options and you can look at different ways of sort of approving the economic relationship between um, the hedge and the hedged item yeah. um, in that kind of way. So, yeah. yeah. So this... I mean, this can get complicated, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you know, often the complication acts as kind of a, a barrier to people yeah. maybe doing things yeah. that, that they might that they might have done. But like in reality, Mary, like like whilst there are very complicated elements of mm -hmm. this, what are some of the more common treasury activities that might have hedge hedging um, adopted so, that are more easily understandable? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's three different types of hedge accounting relationships, and the most commonly used one is called a cash flow hedge. Um, it's quite straightforward to to implement and basically so an example would be so if you had a US dollar based company and you were expecting to receive in euros in the future and you bought a forward based on that um, you would have to value that derivative in your um, accounts in the intervening periods but you might not have the um, the the invoice yet recognised in your accounts, so therefore you could have like a a, a big income or expense in your P and L that is not matched. So you can set up a cash flow hedge, and that's where you've hedged um, the future cash flows of the of the derivative, and um, you, it's it's quite a straightforward thing to set up, you know, because yeah. you can easily yeah. see what the cash flows are going to be and what yeah. your market FX rates are going to be. Yeah. And then with the exception of cash flow hedges, what are, what are the other sort of... Is, uh... um, the other is fair value hedges, which is where you're hedging against movements in the market. So, okay. for example, if you um, had a floating rate debt and you entered into an interest rate swap... Yeah. Um, to swap it to fixed, yeah. you know, that's a clearly defined um, economic relationship between yeah, yeah. those two and you can set up um, a fair value hedge and you can move all the related um, increases and decreases in valuations to your OCI okay. instead of your P&L. The third type then is a net investment hedge and that's used where um, you have a subsidiary that's currency is not the same functional currency as okay. your parent. Okay. So then any revaluations of that entire subsidiary can go through your OCI. Yeah. So it, it strikes you, Mary, just saying what, you're, what you've outlined there that uh, like um, FX hedging, generally speaking, is a much more mm -hmm. active yeah. activity. FX activity, and also right? commodity hedging and are commodity, both okay. quite, quite straightforward yeah. because yeah. The, the, um, the valuations of them are quite straightforward, yeah. like you have a future commodity price yeah. or a future, you know, your FX yeah. rates, you can kind of see, whereas with interest rate swaps, um, they tend to be more complex because you have to look at the future interest rates yeah. and that kind of thing. So, but I guess on the plus side, uh, you know, I suppose FX hedging and commodity hedging in the treasury world mm -hmm. are activities that are undertaken on a very regular basis. Yes, exactly, you know? so, exactly. So that is at least an easier yeah. adaptation, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the more complex in terms of interest rate swaps mm -hmm. and the likes tends to be, you know, done on a more periodic term. basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. It's, it's interesting that it sort of works out well. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you can have, you know, the system set up, you know, you can set up the system and the framework and apply it then to all the different okay. um, FX hedging yeah. relationships that you have but once it, you have it set it's, up. It's interesting that you say that because um, 
because we mentioned uh, uh, perceived complications and yes, difficulties. Yes, like hedge accounting documentation yeah. and that kind of yeah. thing. So the really important thing is that everything has to be decided in advance. You can't look at a hedge hedging relationship that you already had in your accounts okay. and decide to hedge account for it somewhere in the middle. Um, you really need to decide in advance and set the whole framework up in advance. Yeah. Um, you need to have hedge documentation in place. Um, and it needs to be maintained. And the hedge documentation will need to set out your full hedging strategy. So it'll need to include items like what the hedged item is, how you're hedging it, why you're hedging it, how it's going to be effective, how you're going to measure it, how often you're going to measure it. But I mean, you can set up documentation that includes all those aspects and they can kind of, it can kind of be like a form that you fill in each time yeah. you're, you're creating a new yeah. hedging relationship. So, so there's an initial implementation mm, exactly. sort yeah. of requirement, yes. but, but then because often the relationships it's are all working, it's yeah, 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 yeah. interesting. So, yeah. you know, this shouldn't be a barrier really to people doing no, the right thing from a risk not. management yeah. perspective. Yeah, it's just something that needs to be planned in advance yeah. and looked at, you yeah. know, before the hedge is entered into, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and thought about in advance and all the different strategies yeah. that are already going to be in place. Like you're already probably going to have a strategy, a, a written risk strategy yeah. or um, yeah. hedging strategy, and you can use all that information yeah. then in your hedge documentation. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting you should say that because we're obviously working in the kind of treasury mm -hmm. world, but we, we'd often talk to clients who um, may wish to implement a particular hedging strategy, mm -hmm. be it FX or commodity or whatever. But, but but when they then raise it with their accounting team, the accounting team sort of, because they don't really have experience in that area, yeah. kind of almost shoot it down um, uh, immediately. There is an administrative yeah. burden, but it, it's yeah. definitely manageable if, if the right systems are in place. Yeah. And if you have a treasury management system, which is providing you with all the different valuations, um, you can definitely use that to yeah. test your effectiveness and, yeah. you know, definitely there is a perception that fair value accounting is more straightforward but really it's only a, some add-ons that yeah. are required to yeah, get yeah. to the hedge Similar, accounting yeah. stage yeah. yet the yeah. impact on the volatility yes. of the L can be massive yeah. so it can be so well it's worth definitely the, worth considering yeah. if if this volatility going through the PL. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so i mean you kind of touched on the implementation there and you know i think what you're saying is that look it can actually be simplified mm -hmm. you don't really need to yeah um be concer that concerned about mm -hmm. it um and once sort of set up, if you, particularly if you have proper systems and the yeah. likes, is the ongoing work associated with hedge accounting much greater than that associated with? Um, I mean, there or? is additional work because you have to keep looking at whether it's effective or not. At each period end, you'll have to consider, is it still effective? Is there still an economic relationship within the um, within the hedging relationship? Um, and just check on all that and make sure that all the hedging documentation is being maintained as you go along and that the testing is done at all the periodic okay. um, times. But I mean, even if, you know, you feel that the hedge has kind of gone outside of the criteria a little bit, it, you know, there is um, IFRS 9 allows for rebalancing. So okay. you can adjust your hedging ratio yeah. and come back in to meet the criteria again, yeah. rather than having to recognize everything at that point. So it's not a kind of one shot only. Mm. You can, no, you can, not you with can, IFRS 9. It was more, it was, a, it was a lot, it was more difficult with yeah. IES 39, yeah. but with IFRS 9, it's yeah. a little bit easier. Yeah, because it's such a focus on the economic relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I think, Mary, what you're saying is that, look, you know, this, you know, the the fear of hedge accounting shouldn't be a barrier to doing the right thing. No, from a risk absolutely not. Um, yeah. Perspective. And that it, it takes a little bit of thought mm -hmm. and set up. Uh, but then once you have the framework in place, it's actually pretty, 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 pretty manageable. Yeah. I mean, of, of, of the activities that we've talked about there, and I can kind of anticipate your answer to this maybe, but which ones would you see as the 
the ones that uh, provide the most most value from a hedge accounting perspective. Well, well, like we were talking about the FX um, hedging, like that definitely. If you're if you're not in a position yet to recognise the items that you're hedging yeah. in your accounts, like it's definitely worthwhile because there can be big valuations on maybe FX forwards or FX swaps yeah. that you would have to recognise through your PL and could you know cause you maybe a big loss or whatever in your yeah, PL. Yeah. And if you can post that through your OCI yeah. um, until such point as you're recognizing the the underlying item, yeah. then you know it, yeah. it makes things look a lot better in yeah. your or a lot more reflective of your actual position yeah. in your in your accounts. So I mean yeah I mean I, I think you've, you've you said it very well there and that like really what you're doing is trying to ensure that your hedge um uh, value, I suppose, is reflected in the same period as the underlying element. Exactly. That's, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. That's because I mean, the whole point of um, carrying out the hedging is because that you want to reduce yeah. the risk and you want to, yeah. you know, make your uh, not have those ups and downs yeah. in your P and L when yeah. you eventually yeah. realize that. So why not try and yeah. you know have it more stable while while you're yeah. It's ironic that, 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 that without without hedge accounting. Um, uh, by trying to reduce risk, you can, mm, you can increase P and L volatility yeah. in the in, in the medium term yes, or in the intervening term. Yeah. So, 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 Mary, j- just as a you know, as a, as a matter of interest, and and to kind of wrap up, like like what um, uh, uh, you know, if you were starting with a blank page, sort of, what advice would you give to someone who was uh, going about implementing um, a new sort of hedge accounting strategy or application? Yeah, well, firstly, look at, like, as I said, it's not obligatory to apply hedge accounting. So certainly look at whether it's worth doing and whether, you know, it will benefit you to be able to reduce those ups and downs in your P&L or, you know, maybe it won't, it wouldn't have enough of an effect on your P&L to go through the different documentation, the modeling requirements. Um, that are involved. So that's the first thing. Um, then if you do decide to go ahead with it, um, look at setting up a system where the hedge documentation is going to be set up in advance. Um, try and reduce the work involved in setting that up by having a structure involved where you just um, put in the details, the new details of the new hedge each time. And then look at how you're going to um, see what how effective it is and how your journal entries are going to come out of your um, valuations that you can usually get out of your treasury management yeah, system. Yeah. So a, a measured and kind of planned mm-hmm. exactly. approach yeah. will take away Yeah, any and once fears. it's up and running then, <laughs> all your, um, and your hedge documentation is maintained, your auditors will be happy and all your your valuations and journal entries yeah. should all follow through. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Well, Mary, thanks for that. Very Thank interesting. You. I know it was pretty high level and it does get very technical and can mm-hmm, get very can, complica- yeah. complicated as we as we know but really I suppose what we were trying to show is that there this is nothing to be afraid of right and there are mm-hmm. simple ways to go about getting sort of the 80-20 rule in terms of uh, in terms of yeah. benefits so thank you very much very, very interesting uh, folks thanks for uh, uh, listening in to um, today's FDI Treasury talk I hope you found it uh, interesting uh, if you want any more information on hedge accounting or treasury outsourcing in general please hop over to our website www.fditreasury.com uh, there's loads of resources there and you'll also find contacts for myself and Mary and lots of other members of the team um, uh, we're always Looking forward to talking to people in terms of uh, any kind of treasury requirements they might have, or even just from an information perspective, uh, touching base with the treasury world. So thanks.